To the thieves who have stolen my protostar, I deliver an ultimatum. This chase across the galaxy ends now. You will come to Tars Lavora and return the protostar to me. No way he's getting our ship. In exchange, I give you my word to release the unwanted. If you do not comply within one day cycle, the miners will pay the price. He's a monster. Oh, my progeny. I never wanted it to come to this, but there are needs greater than either of ours. Come back to me. I'm your host, Adam Bowen, and with me, adding our writing credits to this episode of Prodigy as well, are... Rudy Kuzbaker. Notch Karnick. Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes! Today we're covering the ninth episode of the first season of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part 1. And I feel like I'm winning right now since I actually had the correct episode number <laughs> and title for the first time in a couple of weeks. Go me! Nice. Congratulations on that. You can follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's a great way to keep up with when we've got a new episode dropping. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could do us a solid and tell your friends about the pod. It's the best way to spread news about this great Star Trek podcast that you hear. Uh, and I found many a great podcast because friends recommended it to me. And so we ask you to do the same. And then finally... If you could just give us a rating on whatever podcast app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, if it's got a rating on it, if you could just submit one for our podcast, we'd really appreciate it. That helps us appear a little bit higher in search lists when someone's like, okay, I want to listen to a Star Trek podcast, and I'm going to search for that on my app. You know, Notch, um, I wish uh, our listeners could see you say that because I think you had real delivery in your expressions. Um, there was meaning and, and depth. I'm not even being sarcastic. I'm honest. Um, it, it really looked good. Um, Why, thank uh, but... you. It must be that ring light. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get into the episode, a warning as we do before every podcast. Um, we will spoil, um, of course, this episode, but also other parts of... Um, Star Trek universe, maybe the broader sci-fi universe, maybe the real universe even. So um, if you have watched the episode and are, are jump in with us, uh, if not, and you want to you know, jump in with us anyways, that's cool. Uh, but you have been warned. And with that, I think it's we're ready to uh, talk about the episode a, a bit by giving you an intro. So uh, this episode is called A Moral Star Part 1. It is uh, the ninth, sort of, episode of the first season of Prodigy. Uh, it was first aired on the 27th of January, 2022. Uh, and it is written by Kevin and Dan Hageman, Julie Benson, Shauna Benson, Schul <laughs> Lisa Schultz-Boyd, Nikhil S. Jairam, uh, Diandra Pendleton-Thompson, Chad Quant, Aaron J. Waltke. And it is just directed by Ben Hebon. 
the other seven <laughs> people were not available to direct <laughs> this one as well. Uh, the in-universe date is unknown, but it's probably 2383. People didn't look significantly older from the previous episode. Uh, the episode summary from, from Memory Alpha is extremely short, but I think it's to the point. The crew forgoes their dreams of Starfleet to return to Tars Lamora in a no-win scenario. Uh, we probably would have uh, had problems if we named this one also Kobayashi. Uh, so that's, that's why we have a moral star part one. So uh, now for our strange new takes. Uh, and I think I'm just, instead of asking anyone else what their strange new takes are, I'm just going to start talking. So my first strange new take is, you know what? Sometimes you just need to go back and dig into your roots and just realize that you are a Pokemon master and uh, that you, you sometimes do need to go catch them all. And I, I have been doing so in the Hisui region uh, of uh, whatever it is that I'm supposed to call the Pokemon uh, country or continent or something. And uh, as you all can tell from uh, things you've seen on the internet, it does look like ass. But uh, it is nice to play a Pokemon game sometimes, so I'm enjoying it. Uh, graphics uh, don't make a game, uh, so let's see what's going with that. So uh, for the episode itself, um, you know, uh, we, we've been talking about, like, okay, what is, what is Murph going to do? What's, what's going to be the final reveal of, like, Murph's purpose? Murph is the... It, he j sometimes he just needs to eat something for plot. And uh, today, that's what happened. So, great. Uh, who else has a strange new take for me? I'll go next. Um, so, for all all of you and, and some of my fellow podcasters who live in, in cold climates where you're snowed over and in, in wintry conditions for many months, I respect because um, we had a little bit of that in Texas last year with the... Uh, well, many of us called Snowvid, and we thought it was once in 200 years. Um, yeah, funny, right? Uh, we have a sense oh. of humor down here. Um, but um, so I thought that was all all done with, and I um, was taking courage in my garden surviving this winter, but we had a low dip um, in temperatures for two or three days, and Guess what? I have a barren garden again. I have to start from scratch, which is not great. But um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll go again. So uh, here's to looking at 2022 in terms of growing your garden from scratch, uh, which a lot of y'all do in in wintry places anyway. So respect. Um, with respect to this episode, um, well, I'll. I'll actually talk talk about the title track. I know all of y'all really love it, and I haven't really warmed up to it. And now I burn am. him. What? Oh, burn him. Oh my gosh! I don't know if you're allowed to stay on the podcast now. <laughs> it's it's funny. I, I I just said, and now I am. But ah, we it was drowned by the no, crisis. No, but, but that's that's not enough. Is it? You have to have always been. Like, no. yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad only... you finally have come to the to but the wait, light but side. Wait. 
there's more. I'm not so sure if it's because I like it or because it's kind of some weird network effect with the three of you or all of you talking about it <laughs> so much that it's like something I, I now subliminally like and I don't really know why, but yeah, it's nice. Every time we watch the show, Dietrich always does the bum bum at the end with the, oh, you know, those, nice. those two percussive things at the end. He does it with it. And now I'm sold. See? <laughs> Oh, I guess it's my turn, huh? Yeah, I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> You're dead. Um, uh, it was funny when um, Notch made the comment about, um, or no, when Rudy made the comment about Notch's uh, expressiveness earlier, that made me think I was noticing Adam's expressions. I almost called you Dietrich. My gosh. Anyway, I'm getting everyone's names all it's mixed up. It's better than your dog's name. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. I'm, I'm uh, but I was it. noticing Adam's expressiveness while he, or he had his podcasting face on along with his <laughs> podcasting voice. And then it made me wonder about my preaching face and my preaching voice. <laughs> I'm sure I have that too. But uh, anyway, so yeah, it's just funny how we kind of put on different voices for different parts of our lives. And that those, um, those voices require faces. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. It's, it's fun. Because, you know, like when we're listening, we can... We can tell the people who are putting on a voice when they're on the radio or when, you know, you just figure that's not quite their real voice. It's always fun to listen to them in an interview rather than to hear them interviewing someone because you kind of yeah. get different inflections. But it's just fun to see the facial side of that as well. Um, and my strange new take for the episode, it was just really, I mean, they meant it this way, but I received it in the way it was intended. It was awesome when they all walk onto the bridge in their Starfleet uniforms. I just thought that was a pretty cool moment. Nice, nice. Well, uh, since everyone's obsessing about uh, presentation, I guess I should do. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was emceeing an event virtually last year that's usually an in-person event. Also, side note, I'm very excited to emcee it in person this year, but that being beyond the point. Um, and everybody who attended the event w w that was had been in my planning committee and like had known me for months and years at some points, but after the event, they were all like, whoa, what the hell? How, how, what'd you do? How'd you do that? Like, they were all like, we didn't, we, we were all like, where'd that come from with, with Notch? And I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't understand. But now seeing Rudy do this, and Rudy's known me most of my life, right? So <laughs> to hear him comment on my like presentation or whatever, I, I've studied theater. I've like done hundreds of episodes of various podcasts at this point. So clearly I've picked something up and there has to be some difference between my day to day and how I present. So I get it now. Why all those people were like, whoa, you got an MC next year as well, which I will be in a couple of months so uh nice. this event that i'm talking about but anyway getting back to star trek um i think this show and other shows too are our reaction to them is a is definitely a product of the way we watch them i watched this episode really late at night after a long evening of like hanging out with, uh, with a friend of mine and I definitely feel like my perception of it was influenced a little bit by that. I haven't had a chance to watch it again, but <laughs> just keep that in mind when I say some things during this episode, because I think, I think if I'd maybe watched it like all the other episodes, like in the morning, like fresh or with a nice meal, I would have maybe uh, just had a slightly more positive reaction. Not that I had a negative reaction to this episode. I think I'm I'm coming at it from a slightly more critical standpoint than I have the previous Prodigy episodes, though. So heads up on that. He thought the uh -oh. moment when they walk onto the bridge in the Starfleet uniforms was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. 
I saw your face. I saw yeah, your face, yeah. Notch. <laughs> We're all watching you nod your face. <laughs> well, yeah, it, whether he's putting his podcasting face on or not. Uh, but so, okay, I, I, I mean, I think it, the thing that I was uh, immediately struck by when we saw the title screen of this episode is like, oh my God, every single person uh that has ever written a Star Trek episode is writing this episode. Uh, do, do you all feel like you could like detect that? Like I, I was a little bit worried about kind of like a design by committee type situation with the writing. Uh, how did, how did people feel about kind of uh, maybe the overall, like the mechanics of how the show is put together? Do you notch. think that, Oh, no, I was just going to say notch. <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 what were you going to say, Emily? Well, no, I was just going to say, do you think that they had certain touchstones throughout the season that they kind of figured were, were like hinge points in the storytelling? Mm. So I was wondering on the fifth episode, um, the one before. Now, they did say that they, they didn't intend for that episode to be like a break in the mm -hmm. season um it was just that way because of covid and it was hard to get everything ready but um but i wondered if that ep but that episode still kind of felt like a natural kind of cliffhangery point yeah um was that written by a lot of people you know because i'm wondering if that was if if they kind of put a whole bunch of people on the episodes a whole bunch of people contribute on those episodes that are maybe like you know just kind of a a hinge for when what's to come yeah, I I wasn't sure about that. I feel like we we've definitely seen uh, pairs of people involved in like writing and mm -hmm. directing episodes. I'm not sure that we've seen uh, something where it's how many people is this? Uh, one, a lot. Two. This is I mean this is officially the most Eight? credited writers for a Star Trek episode, and the way I think what makes sense is the way Memory Alpha interpreted it, which is that this is the writing room getting a joint yeah. credit for this episode, and it might be Ooh. that. Um, I mean, I'm not the person to talk about Hollywood writing conventions, so I don't really know how they've credited in the past. But my understanding is, from listening to like the West Wing Weekly, it's typically the 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 person who gets the writing credit is the person who did the majority of the writing on the episode and like conceived of the story mm -hmm. and like wrote the dialogue. Like sometimes there could be a couple of writers, but there are contributions from other people in the writing room or the executive producer typically to. Mm -hmm the writing of an episode this might be one where either the writing room just came together and wrote it or it might be a way to acknowledge that story elements from this episode were conceived and dropped into other episodes in a very deliberate way yeah. and it all came together that's my read on the situation and there might be an uh, interview with jr and Waltke where he's like actually we just did it for shits and giggles and so that notch <laughs> got it wrong on the podcast so i don't know because <laughs> yeah, we know it, they're listening uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's mm -hmm. why they they fix uh, issues that we comment on in uh, how it plays in Paramount Plus and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I I I I think that makes sense to to me, Notch. I, the thing that I, I've noticed uh, when I, we've talked about it in in previous episodes is uh, that there's often you don't need a whole lot of context for what's going on. Uh, like you probably could show someone like a random person like one of the episodes out of order. And they they would get the basics, like that they're on the run from the diviner. He seems to be a bad dude, but the important thing is like what's happening in this episode. Uh, and it this one did at least seem to um, sort of pick up the pieces a lot uh, from a lot of other episodes. So it, I guess it, it does make sense that it's um, 
maybe everyone feels like more ownership and therefore, yeah, kind of went with that. Um, it did, uh, I, as far as like the, how it ended up feeling to me, I, I felt like there, there were definitely parts where, I mean, obviously this episode does feel like a, a setup for like a, a mid season cliffhanger or like uh and ending of of a one arc of this series whether they were planning to have it like truly stop at this point or not um but uh we we are wrapping up a whole lot of threads and bringing them all together this has kind of like an avengers assemble type uh feeling to it um but yeah so i uh, we start off the episode uh with uh we 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 get the we we pick up from the um the uh what is the name dread two uh having that eye that sort of turns on uh and we get, we get into playing that message uh how, how did people feel about that way of kind of introducing the plot for this episode help if me they... Obi Wan Kenobi oh, you're okay. my only hope <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know if that's the case with uh with the Star Wars message, but imagine if that if he hadn't nudged that head and it hadn't fallen. Uh, they would have never got the message. And they would have yeah. just kept on going. Um, that would have been awkward. Uh, I, I like the fact that they were sort of gathering around um, in the context of the previous episode before that and uh, you know sharing stories. And again, I felt it was a little fortuitous, but... Uh, and they nicely paused, like they they wanted to show that the recording was kind of glitchy, but it glitched after one, like it was on repeat, but it glitched just after one whole recording. So you realize that they were starting; it was a repeat recording, and there was nothing more, right, right mm. at the end. So so um, and I guess yeah, as as soon as you heard that message, you realized that uh, this looks like it's shaping up to being one of you know big one of those end of season or end of mid season big mm-hmm. boss battles yeah, yeah it's 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 very much the the very not very special episode but like things get real in this episode <laughs> like they all come together <laughs> and like that that vibe was there from the i mean we got a montage guys <laughs> like yeah adam start singing <laughs> Sorry, Famously, I, <laughs> I recorded a, uh, a, a a rendition of uh, now you, or what, what is the name of the song? Uh, was it called? Now you've got a montage, uh, or yeah, yeah, uh, whatever from Team America. Yeah, it was it was uh, good, good fun. Yeah, for, for church. church. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think awesome. we changed the. I don't think we changed the lyrics, so it 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 wasn't about. Uh, but it, it, I think we, we definitely had a video that went along with it. That uh, you were guys, you two fun. were preparing for a sermon. You were going to yeah. preach, so you were you were getting fit for the sermonating. Yeah, so it was it was good fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the um, I forgot entirely what where where I was going with this. But uh, it, we, I we did, did that in the middle of worship last week, so it's all good. <laughs> you know, live streamed live streamed worship. I was standing up there and went. I don't know what I was supposed to say next. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember. So it's all good. Go for it. And it's it's great when it's just like recorded and then like preserved for eternity. <laughs> yeah, I gotta love it. So uh, we 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 get in here. Uh, um, I mean, I I think it 
like Rudy, I was having that same feeling about the the timing of like only one day. Like, how do you know that they're going to check your me- their messages at that point? And uh, I don't know. I I've, Star Trek always does this where it's like you have four hours to like yeah. go save this planet or whatever, and then we're going to like go talk to our therapist during the four hours <laughs> where we all might die. Uh, but I I don't know. I, I I think I can probably just like forgive it. Maybe he had a setting where like the moment they said it, that's when the timer starts or uh, whatever. But um, but Bolin, I want to jump in here for just one second, yeah. which is this was actually my issue with this episode. So far in Prodigy, none of the episodes have felt like a trope and none of them have felt like a predictable yeah. sequence of events. This one, I mean, you could write this episode into any series of Star Trek. Like, right, like, you know, Bashir and Cisco have to take the Defiant over to the Dominion to rescue some POWs. Or like, um, Data and Worf are uh, returning the saucer section because the, the, some enemy has captured the other part of the ship. You know, like, the, yeah, this could be yeah. any episode of Star Trek ever. And I... I think there are special moments in it, and I can see why a younger audience would not be as concerned with this as I would be. Um, And honestly, again, this is why I said, because I was watching this late at night, I was kind of like, I want to go to sleep, but I have to watch this. I think my my enjoyment was a little bit more tarnished because I was not coming at it from a fresh perspective. In fact, I was being a little nitpicky. So this is what I was referring to when I said that. But, but... In any of those examples you gave, was there um, a, a silly person or an idiot person like Jankum who kindly g- who got everybody together to make the decision to go back? <laughs> that was <laughs> the, awesome the... when he climbed on the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, but it's two notch, not notches point. We have had at least scenes of something like, well, I, sp- I think I speak for all of us, sir, when I say to hell with at fill yeah. in the blank with whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, right. with our orders yes. or starfleet or like it, it's <laughs> that that is that is in everything and uh it, it i so they i just I, don't usually get called point. dum-dums anyway. <laughs> <laughs> i think i speak for everyone sir when i say that <laughs> we're all a bunch of dum-dums um the so i i yeah i there is i mean definitely we're getting like we're injecting more humor into it and like it's it, maybe it's these more um YA friendly characters but uh i i think that's a fair criticism of of this episode because it's uh, often we're getting into that space of most of these episodes they they've even if they've they've like mirrored another uh episode of Star Trek or had like similar structure to it it's there, I feel like there's often they're doing something with the animation that they couldn't have done in any other series, uh, and I, I mean, I guess Murphy eating a protostar wouldn't have gone well in Discovery, but uh, we could have just said like mushrooms, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Lorca capturing Murph for his like menagerie? we'll have have the in the remastered uh version where they when they make it 8k in the year uh 2042 uh it'll be an easter edited in yeah to the into his menagerie so i that's definitely a thing uh so we what's interesting it character development wise in this episode is we do get a moment where we see uh 
a lot of expectation is placed on the captain, uh, and specifically that being Dell. How did we feel about this this moment where we we sort of like really put the test on him? Jeez. <laughs> I'm seeing one face. <laughs> See, that's so funny because it actually seemed like Dal went into it in the way he needed to so many other times before. This is the first time they actually mm-hmm. showed him being a little more uh, mature. Like he just approached it with more maturity than he had previously. He wasn't like, let's just blow it up, you know, or let's, you know, like he appreciated that this was not something that he could approach with his normal, let's cause some chaos here. You know, he had to actually think it through. There were real consequences. And and perhaps that's showing growth because the um the episode with um the his Ferengi, you know, uh First contact. You know, He's yeah, first contact. Ferengi um, uh, owner slash mom. Yeah, whatever, or, yeah. whatever <laughs> role it was that she played. But like that, he he recognized, wow, there are like super real consequences that can really affect mm-hmm. the people that I care about. So there's growth from that episode to this episode. And I feel he actually responded to the, well, I speak for all of us, sir, uh, uh, mm-hmm. statement in a very interesting all, all. I felt it was mature. He, he. All he should have said was, um, "I'll be in my, uh, I'll be in my, my." Re-. They were already in some sort of ready room, right? I don't know, but he should have just said that. I guess mm-hmm. just walking away seemed like he already fifteen year old. Yeah, well, he, he had <laughs> yeah. a bit of a he had a bit of a, a precedent built up for him. So we all thought like he was he was shying away. But like to your point, Emily, the words he spoke uh, to Gwen. Um, in, in his quarters were very balanced and um, he was mm-hmm. weighing the, the cost of lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that was refreshing. Well, and it was also, I thought it was a nice little reminder that um, while Gwen is part of the qu- part of the crew, she's not, she has not had the same experiences that mm-hmm. the rest of the crew have had. Right on Tars Lamora. And so that, that scene served as a nice reminder for that. You know, he's like, you don't know what it's like, like what we're going back to, it wasn't the same for you as it was for us. Like we had a very different experience of Tars Lamora than you did. Um, and she also now has to grapple with the fact that now she recognizes what reality, what the reality was for all of those, what do they call yeah. them? The unwanted or the, um, you yeah, know, the you know, so she, she's feeling the impact of that. So it is going to be a different uh, experience for her being back there, but it's still not the same as it is for the rest of the crew. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think those, those parts of that scene were definitely excellent. And again, I think just like Rudy called out the kind of unexpected reaction to the, uh, you know, I, I think we don't, you know, like data's, when data says like, oh, we think we all agree. And then, you know, it's always been like, yeah, let's do it. Ah, montage time. And here it's, it's, <laughs> it's different. I like yeah. that. I think the thing that I, there are two things that I struggled with. One is a little bit, I think more reasonable than the other. I think the unreasonable one is the whole romantic angle in that scene. I was like, oh, do we really need to go there? Like, yeah, this is, yeah. this is, it feels forced. Uh, the other thing, but that, that, you know, whatever, it's fine. I think the thing that I think that, I struggle with, and this goes even further in the episode, is the fact that Dal earns his captaincy. And I that, I don't know. I really was hoping that it, it would be Gwen who takes over and that Dal has to like really understand that, no, you, you're not good enough. And that's just personal preference, I guess. 
And um, but I think in the way that they have made Dal earn the captaincy, it made a lot of sense. And I think it was good. And I think in terms of character progression, completely agree with Emily. So it's again, it's just personal preference that I think mm-hmm. makes me wish that yeah. like ah, it's gonna have been a moment when she takes the reins and is like, you know, we're gonna do this. Yeah, which, which I I guess if if she had taken the reins, we wouldn't have had. Uh, it, I feel like it would have been much more her leaving everyone in the lurch where she goes off with the mm-hmm. diviner at the end. So I think it's, um, I, I, I suppose I, I can see maybe structurally this works a little bit better. Uh, but the, I, I think what, what I appreciate about that whole conversation is just, uh, we've seen a lot of characters in the show be extremely direct with each other. Usually it's Zero uh, doing this, but Gwyn also has this has this talent of just like, I'm just going to tell, like, point out straight what I think is is happening. So that, that question of like, are you, uh, are you afraid or are you just being selfish? And like, that's the setup to that conversation. I, I thought it, sh- it showed a lot of maturity from Dal to not immediately descend into just uh, being yeah. super defensive about what was going on. Um, so yeah, the trope tropes aside, I, I think this did give us some, like just a really good character moment for both of them. And, well, and I feel like yeah. it can, it doesn't close the door on Gwen being the in the more captain role in the future i feel you know it's like it before. wasn't yeah <laughs> yeah sorry go ahead go ahead no no just, that's all i was gonna say i was gonna drop that in I, I was just joking that you never know right with discovery anybody can be captain on, on <laughs> I, know, a particular well, I was day, gonna so. say isn't that kind of funny how now we have two <laughs> we have yeah. two series that are kind of playing with who the captain is I, I have... the, it'll become murph at the end <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question for y'all would Dahl really make a good anything other than Captain? Um, and, and just a couple that a couple that was would Captain Kirk make a good anything other than Captain? Spock would mm. make a decent captain, he'd have some emotional issues and be too logical and all that. But honestly, Gwen and Spock are better first officers than Kirk and Dahl would ever be, I feel. Um and mm. and Gwen and Spock can also be captains. They're not as I guess 360 degrees holistic as as um kirk and you know with that little bit of um mystery and and risk mm-hmm. and all of that but I, I just can't imagine dal or kirk as first officers <laughs> no i funny. so so I, I agree with you about uh uh dal not being a good first officer i think that if jankum wasn't there i think dal would have a good pitch for being an engineer like we've seen dal mm. tinkering with things he built the warp matrix uh, and th- it was just sort of a, a problem of like not having the right supplies. Like I, I think that that is that could be a position for him. Um, but yeah, I, as for the Kirk side of things, I think that um, I mean we they, we kind of had Riker as the what if Kirk, but uh, with a beard uh, in Next Generation, and and he was an effective uh, uh, first officer. So I I think that. I, I can sort of imagine Kirk in that first officer scenario, but um, I agree that I, I don't have a clear idea of like what he would do before then, besides just be like, I'm the lead of the away team or things like that. But we, we saw in 2009, right? Like, I mean, that yeah. that's, that's the whole thing. Like he just, 
Mm-hmm. He never had to be anyone subordinate. The guy was picked out of a bar fight and put it just on his stomach. <laughs> I mean, it's so and, ridiculous. And, and and his luck, right? He gets he gets he gets dropped on a planet. He meets he meets Fisher's Park. He also meets like one of the best engineers in the universe, and then just gets back on. <laughs> So he could be in recruiting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Yeah, it's it's not like Picard, who in the alternate reality is a nobody lieutenant. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't take chances. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, poor poor alternate reality Picard. Um. So yeah, we 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 get into the point where we we ha- we have our montage. Uh, and we, we go into, uh, we, we've warped into the system. I, uh, I guess, how, how do we feel about the, the plan that they devised? I was trying to build it with the montage and I, all I liked was, was like, oh jetpacks. But then there was a bunch of spanners and then there was a lot of food. Like people were bringing in food. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't quite put it together, but, um. On the second watch, you can like it's definitely. I didn't. I had no idea what the plan was going to be the first time I watched it, but the second time around, I was like, "Oh, okay, I see why they they planned to have the jetpacks." Because you know, it's not until they start saying, "Okay, we can drop the act," that you realize that though they fully intended for Gwen to go with the diviner the whole time. They fully intend. Like you just, mm-hmm. I, there's no indication that that is happening. Although there is an indication that Murph was going to eat the. Um, the star because they do say, okay, Murph, let's see how indestructible you are or something. I can't remember exactly what it is, but they make some comment about that at the end of the montage about let's see how far we can take this. Or I can't remember what. Oh, I, I know there's a line about like, let's go play dress up. Um, yeah. But... Oh yeah. They said that too. I forgot about that. Can you imagine how dangerous Murph's species is in a war? Like they could just <laughs> eat your star. And like, <laughs> You know, bullets don't hurt, explosions don't hurt, nothing. Murph just like this is eat your world and like you're done for. We better well, hope he... that Murph species stays like Murph and not becomes like mega sentient. <laughs> you you have to make the character that is totally designed for the little kids to love indestructible like you can't have that character be a character they can destroy or get rid of i i don't know i seem to recall a movie where they they killed a a certain character that was uh that was just i mean he did he was resurrected 10 seconds later but uh which movie are we talking about right now uh frozen 2 i'm spoiling sport frozen 2 for everybody oh i thought Uh, you were talking about lion king there for a second but yeah that was pretty traumatic i cried pretty hard when that happened (laughs) man frozen 2 y'all i cry every time i watch that movie (laughs) i don't know i don't know if there's something wrong with me or what but (laughs) well next time i'm on a movie date it's the one i'm gonna put on But, um, you know, I, I think I think with the whole uh, sneaky plan thing, I yeah, I wasn't really sure what was happening. I'll, I'll give the writers that like I was I, I was like, are they really like, uh, is this all part of the plan? Like they expected to get hoodwinked and I can I can see how it all tra- how they would have made things transpire the way that they did. And it's. I like the way that they've used these qualities of Murph that they've showed us in the previous several episodes now um, mm-hmm. within this one as a plot point. 
Yeah, th- this isn't a uh, Murph like out of nowhere having just like this Deus ex machina power. Like it's been a, like a side joke plot in every single episode, just about. Um, at the very least, that he eats like things that are probably a bad idea to eat, or explicitly <laughs> uh, eating the photon grenades and stuff like that. Um, I had my own montage of trying to figure out how they were gonna do it. They couldn't make sense of their montage, so <laughs> I was like, "They're gonna, they're gonna was, visualize I'm just, me." I'm imagining you like re- yes, researching yes. in books and like looking up online, <laughs> drawing up these blueprints. I was like, "They're definitely gonna contact the miners," and the thing that the miners don't have going for them is universal translators. Uh, which prevents them from organizing and unionizing and revolting. So maybe they make some kind of like clandestine communication or send something up ahead, have them, you know, build some kind of underground movement. Um, and and when they come in, right, like there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a coup, right? So I was actually caught off guard because I did all this work. And then she was like, I'll go with you. <laughs> Why didn't they follow your plan? <laughs> your plan was so, flawless. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a little stumped myself, yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, as I was watching this episode, I, uh, I was kind of thinking like, wait, why did we even have this montage? Like, clearly everything just went wrong. And, yep. they, and they just like, <laughs> didn't have a plan and, until it's just like that. So, I, yeah, I was, I was hoodwinked entirely uh, during that. Um. Speaking of hoodwinked, I think that I'm feeling quite hoodwinked by the time that has elapsed so far. So I think it's good for us to take a break after the world's worst transition. Dow! You're the one who wanted to be in charge. Now, when faced with a tough choice, you just run away? Are you scared? Or just selfish? You know how many times I tried to escape Tars Lamora? If we go back, we might never leave. You don't understand. You weren't like us. I know it's a risk. Everything we fought for, the ship, our freedom, our friends, we could lose all of it. If it was just me, sure, in a heartbeat, but I can't risk losing us. Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking about uh, just like what we all have to do when we are prepping for a trip and just like checklists or like having systems for packing things away uh feel free to hit us up on social media and let us know your best packing trips which is very (laughs) much a thing that you would expect to talk with your star trek podcast about uh (laughs) so great well we'll definitely uh uh, get right into that with you and give you some tips and tricks so uh there was a there was an interesting moment here i mean we've had hints of it uh throughout uh just I almost called it Discovery. We've had hints of it throughout <laughs> Prodigy uh, that there's something a little bit more to what's going on in the Diviner. Uh, he, I think, said something along the lines of, like, we should have told her the truth from the start. Uh, everyone, please give me your, your wildest ideas of what, what, what the, the truth heck is. is. Yeah, what is this truth? We Which... left the oven on. We have to go back to turn it off and it's several thousand light years away. And this is the only way we can do that before we burn down the house. So, so remind me, when they when they went through the... Well, was that a montage where they went went through the, the sequence of where they showed that she's like a cell coming out of his body? Was that mm-hmm. in the protostar? Was that 
like in in the in the in the Rev Twelve. Yeah, it was not in the Protostar because he they did that because he couldn't find the Protostar. Yeah, and he it, needed it the Protostar. So she doesn't know. She doesn't she, know that. So is that it? Is that is like is oh, like I don't know. is that part of the secret that hey you're you're a like the only reason you exist is because I couldn't find this ship, and so that's why I was pretty much willing to let you die on the murder planet because I had the ship. <laughs> is yeah, that the I, truth you needed to tell her from the start? Except he still oof. seems to feel some sort of uh, connection to her, obviously. Yeah. And Dreadnought is always like, oh, I just lose her already, you know, so. Well, it's obvious that Dread, me, I mean, not obvious, but it's almost like Dreadnought doesn't know something that the Diviner does. And I wonder if it's one of those cliche twists where what he needs is actually her and not the protostar or some combination of her. And 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 the Brodo Star, like the, that second MIB movie, right? The light light of whatever was actually a person and not not sorry, another spoiler, but I, I so so one of the things I find really interesting, so this is like mystery within mystery, but like one of the things I find really interesting is the relationship between the Diviner and Dreadnought. It doesn't seem to be a straight superior junior relationship. They're kind mm-hmm. of like not even quite partners because the diviner does seem to be the senior but at the same time dreadnought seems to have more influence in that relationship than any previous dynamic like this that i've seen in star trek or anywhere else it's much more complex so it makes me wonder how they both came together like are they friends of convenience did the divider build dreadnought like it's it's just a lot of questions uh that are that that come up in my head about the two of them yeah, it, it does kind of feel like um, there have been a few times where the Diviner's on thin ice with with Dreadnought. I, I, I have gotten that sense of like maybe maybe Dreadnought is technically under the Diviner, but could be arrested by but but Dreadnought could arrest the Diviner or something like that if he if he really went off the deep end. Because um, we've had that that discussion of like there's the order and it's unclear as to whether like the order is something like the Prime Directive or if the order is like some council that is uh, governing whatever sort of mission they're on at the moment. Um, I, I, for myself, I think I, I'm getting, I feel like the time travel that, that the protostar has clearly gone through, there's, there's something, I feel like there has to be something related to that. Like uh, I, I, I think that they're probably wearing like 25th century uniforms uh, because we we've seen uh tw- like early twenty three eighties, uh we've seen uh twenty like late twenty three seventies uniforms. We've seen uh I think twenty three nineties in in uh Captain or in, in Picard as well. Um, so I unless this is just like we had sort of completely separate uniforms, like Chakotay's uniform doesn't really place anywhere for me. Uh, and the uh, the other thing is just um. I don't know. It, it. I mean, we know the ship is very fast, but it seems like there might also be other ways of going places very fast. So I, I just I feel like that there's got to be some sort of uh, uh, reason that we need either this fast ship or time travel to save his species. Well, it's the the uh, protostar is his precious because he does look just like Gollum. So you know, <laughs> he's like my precious. I finally have you. He has to. He has to uh, jump uh, into the center of the galaxy to kill God for real, because that's the only place that you can destroy uh, 
uh, both God and the protostar. There you which go. Is, yeah, that's that's go. part of his quest. Um, well, but they also so there's also there's another hint to like the diviner or some sort of backstory or whatever. Um, he makes the comment like like he is uh, offended by the uniform and the badge that um, Gwyn is wearing. You know, he wants her to mm-hmm. take off the you know, communicator or whatever, whether it's the communicator or whatever. He wants her to take off the insignia. He, you know, they, the, the Federation or Starfleet is hypocrisy, you know, so he clearly has a sour taste in his mouth regarding the Federation and Starfleet. So they're laying seeds for there to be some sort of, you know, something happened to cause him to feel that way. Um, but then there's also, I mean, what happened to Chakotay? Uh, yeah. You know, what happened to that crew? Is that crew going to be on Tars Lamora somewhere? Did And then how on earth did they lose the protostar? Like, that's the other thing I don't understand. Because clearly they got the protostar because we see Dreadnought come onto the bridge when Chakotay's on there in that memory or whatever. Um, or mm. what it was a log that, that Jamie was able to access. But so then what? But then they lose the protostar somehow? Like... Anyway, so that's that's all interesting. There's just a lot of mysteries that they're dropping that we have no idea <laughs> what that's going to be. Yeah, I, it, that is a, a definitely a thread we need to pick up because it, it's, I mean, I I assume it's not just that Chakotay is super dead and that uh, we're just going to be like, and and here we're going to show the final tragic point where he totally dies and we can't do anything about it. Um but I mean, maybe we've we've done certainly done that in in other. Uh, I, I I could spoil other movies that we haven't uh, spoiled quite yet, uh, where we we bring back beloved characters and then murder them in that in that movie. Uh, but uh, uh, so uh, can, I, can I can I add it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you were going there. So that's great. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the Top Gun sequel doesn't have Goose coming back just to kill him again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, I the thing that I'm kind of curious about is why Janeway has an old uniform and then has the capability to wear a new one. And then in the, mm-hmm. the ones with Chakotay, she's wearing a uniform that we didn't see anybody wearing. Or he's wearing a uniform we didn't see anybody wearing in this episode, but she's still wearing the old one. So it's just like... Well, it, it, it leads credence, lends credence to my theory that Chakotay just really wanted to be with old school Janeway and like <laughs> found a way to like be Korako be with her. Uh, I was like, no, no, why do you put on the uniform you had on back in the day? That'll just be better for everybody. You know, we can tell the difference between the holograms and the real people. Yes, that's the reason. I mean, I think it's just for nostalgia's sake. Like, like I don't know that there's a canon reason why they have Janeway in the in the Voyager uniform, you know, I think it's just because that then she looks like Captain Janeway did cat throwback Captain Janeway to the first few, you know, mm-hmm. first three or four seasons of um, Voyager. Wait, no, that's totally not as convincing as my Chakotay is a creep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's definitely the truth uh, that he, we should have been telling Gwyn from the very beginning. Uh, is that Chakotay's a creep? Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess we, we do get into that. Uh, I don't know. We we've had hints where I we've had moments where uh, Janeway has to be like a slightly evil character or something. What because we have the um, the the Herogen planet uh, momentarily uh, sort of uh, uh, impersonates Janeway. Uh, 
and we all i know that we're all uh, very much uh, appreciative of the extra time we get to have with J- captain janeway how do we feel about this new darth janeway that we've got going on <laughs> It's just like the doctor on Equinox, you know, when they remove his moral subroutines. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it totally is. <laughs> Except he, he didn't get to wear blue lipstick or black lipstick. But, you know. I think it was a missed opportunity not to give us the Janeway we see in Living Witness. Although there's no way the Diviner could have known what the Janeway in Living Witness looked like. Because that episode occurs like, what, something like a thousand years after Voyager, right? Um because that's the one where the doctor comes back and he's been like left on this alien planet, which blames Voyager for like all of its problems. Oh yes, and so yes. there's all these holograms where like the they have, back. yeah, yeah, they have like poorly created Voyager characters like Commander Tulak, who's like a smiley human evil dude, and and they had like the same Voyager uniforms except with a black turtleneck, Steve Jobs mm-hmm. style. And I was, I was really hoping when, when the Janeway started to like recreate herself as a, as a Darth Janeway, I was like, please give me that. But that would have been a little on the nose for that, 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 that would, but yeah, I, I, I would have appreciated that. And that also reminds me that author author is an even worse episode than I, than I thought, because it's, it is also doing the same thing uh, as that other episode where, where, where I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have problems with that episode of Star Trek because <laughs> I, I feel like Living Witness is a more compelling uh, story. Although I, it's been years since I've seen it, so uh, maybe in the year twenty 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 seven, when we finally don't have continuous Star Trek, uh, we'll watch Living Witness. Um, yeah. So uh, the I, I, I guess I was a little bit weirded out that she like put on makeup so that she like looks more like this alien species. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, well, who said she's the one that made that decision? I mean, they overwrote her. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, routine, so they just want to make her look like them, you know, or he, fair, the diviner fair. wants to make her look like and him. And we, we have seen how, uh, humans are, are fa- famously, uh, thought of as pretty disgusting creatures, uh, by a lot of, uh, alien species in Star Trek. <laughs> so, um, that makes sense. Is this, is this going to be a recurring theme? Like, you know how in the I forget which is like the 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 um, hip hop reality show that Sean P Diddy Combs made in the like early two thousands. There was this trope where he's like, "I'm gonna close the studio every time the like reality show contestants did something bad," and then like Dave Chappelle made fun of that on his show. And is this gonna be like the thing on Discovery? It's like we're gonna rewrite Janeway. Like someone takes over the ship. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, prodigy, prodigy. They like, they're like, we've taken over the protostar. Get rid of that annoying hologram. And someone's like, blue, blue, blue. And Janeway's like, oh, I'm a new person now, and I'm gonna help you because I'm bad. Yeah, because I, I guess we, we've deleted her before. We've, uh, we have rewritten her before. So, which I guess we we did do all of these things to, uh, the doctor, the doctor, uh, as well. So maybe we just can't resist, uh, rewriting those holograms when we're on Star Trek. Hologram rights have come a long way. Not. (laughs) Um, so we, 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 we have this, this moment where, um, it's sort of it the it is revealed that uh this has all been sort of like a trap and that the 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 diviner has fit into uh everyone's plans i guess um how do how do we feel about sort of like what this does for the relationship between the diviner and his daughter uh in this episode 
doesn't make it better and it was never gonna get better so i guess it's status quo um does he put her in the brig do, do we see that we don't right we don't we don't see that happening i don't think so yeah he just kind of throws her across the bridge yeah and then we're gonna have the the standard dreadnought i told you so and let me deal with her now and and he'll be like let me think leave me alone or something you'll you'll have that sequence maybe or probably um i am obviously since i put in so much effort i'm i'm much more interested in how the how the, uh, the miners unite what's the plan <laughs> we, we do well, need isn't this. that what we're gonna find out next episode i would imagine yeah yeah, yeah. And, and if we don't get it then uh you can pitch your novelization idea uh to the uh to star trek to make sure Probably Rod Roddenberry can like make it happen where you you get to publish a, a novel in the Star Trek Prodigy <laughs> universe. I don't think we have any novels there yet. I kind of want them. Yeah, uh, let's do it. So yeah, uh, I, I I think that now is the point where uh, we've all been waiting. Uh, we've had little hints about it. How do people feel about these uniforms? <laughs> um. Don't they look like I'm? I'm the worst amongst all of us in terms of uniform knowledge. You guys have some really cool conversations, but here's a layman's comparison. Don't they look similar to the the uniforms that Bellana and Paris wore when they had that Delta Flyer race episode? <laughs> Was it like a little bit of white bit. and and and? You made me do a little gray. bit. That's the racing the, suits. Yeah. Starfleet racing suits. I think every series just wants to have their opportunity to design new uniforms, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like and, the only one that gets to do it like three or four times. <laughs> right. Like I'm trying to decide if the Voyager is, is Voyager one of the few that didn't design their own because didn't they have those on deep space nine? So they took the deep space nine uniforms and then deep space nine ended oh. up taking the first contact uniforms but um, like whenever it was, you know, season five or six or something, they switched yeah, that's over like a point. Space Nine. But um, yeah, I'm I want to see pictures of all of them next to each other, but I don't know if anyone's done that yet with the so, with the prodigy. You know, I'm I'm slowly starting to come up with the opinion that uniform conversations are kind of a, a road to nowhere, like. In, in terms of like, it's just one of those most predictable conversations. But at the same time, I'm having a really hard time not having opinions. So I'm a massive hypocrite. <laughs> um, and like Emily, I have actually wanted to see all the uniforms next to each other. And I've like taken the time to like scroll endlessly on Memory Alpha looking at all the different uniforms. Mm -hmm. I really think that the day of the onesie is gone and Star Trek needs to move on. And Star Trek needs to embrace a different and discovery is doing that right like i don't like the new mm -hmm. discovery uniforms but that being beyond the point i like that they've moved into kind of trying to give us a slightly different style mm -hmm. and these uniforms i'm really hoping they're cadet uniforms and we get different ones yeah but it's not even necessarily about the uniforms it's about that we took these five characters that are all these cool like knickknacks and they looked really unique and they were animated really well and now they're kind yeah. of samey same so I thought we lost a little something when they put on those uniforms, but at the same time, you know, special moment. They're like feeling part of a group. Like, you know, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I feel similarly because it's uh, like 
uh, Gwyn has, like, my favorite character design that, like, Star Trek has done, and it's now just been, like, hidden under underneath, like, just a, a pajamas. Uh, <laughs> but it's... Uh, I, I did really appreciate, like, that moment. Like, it, it did really feel special when, uh, like, Dal opens up the drawer and we, like, see the, a, a hint of the uniform for the first time, and everyone, like, it feels like everyone spontaneously decides, like, I've earned this and is going to put on the uniform and shows up on the bridge together. So, like, I, I, I got the feelings that I was supposed to feel, um, even if the, uh, I, I wasn't as a huge, uh, hugely into the uniforms. Um, so I, I, I think we're, we're just about ready to get into ratings. I want to throw out one piece of trivia here. Uh, we heard that the ma maximum warp for the Protostar was 9.97, uh, which uh, there's a little part of me that was kind of disappointed when I heard that because I just, I want us to get closer and closer to 10, but we have gone backwards. We are slightly slower than Voyager, which was uh, 9.975. So uh, there, there we go. Oh, and now we have... It, their uniforms really do look like those ra racing uniforms. Uh, I, I can see where you're going. Uh, that's been except they have the our, asymmetrical our thing that they're trying with all the yeah, like weird velcro cross things. That, I don't know. <laughs> hey, this is animation. Now they don't they don't need to be stuck to velcro or any sort of human technology. Things can just magically adhere, like the the communicators in Star Trek have for years. Yeah, which is weird because it's even though like hologram Janeway is animated, I feel like her original uniform looks more comfortable than the Voyager uniforms. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a little bit uh, funny how that mixes together. Uh, does anyone else have anything they want to uh, mention out before we go into ratings? Yeah, I want to know what people think is going to happen next week. You know what I think is going to happen? The, They're going to the, rally the, the miners. Yeah, the little the little yeah. gate. <laughs> The Cation that was wronged, right? We saw her right. just for a bit. Um, she's going to be a pivotal um, player in uniting the miners to, you know, mobilize the whole asteroid um, with the help of the remain remaining, um, whatever's remaining of the Rev-12, I guess. Right? And then somehow Gwen will get the Protostar to come back and then there'll be a whole full comp crew complement on the Protostar of all the freed miners. Oh, Maybe mm -hmm. maybe the captain, uh, it's been a red herring about, like, is Gwyn going to be the captain? Is Dal going to be the captain? It's actually the Cation miner is going to be the captain <laughs> and is just going to meow uh, to give orders. Or you have two ships and enough to have two captains and two crews. Maybe, maybe this is to Anna, and the, this is the reason why she's so cranky and, like, <laughs> scruffy the rest of her life. Well, the nice thing is we aren't going to have to wait long to find out at least some of it, right? Because this isn't the break, isn't yeah, there? It, one more episode. It feels episode. like we're, we're going to... I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that we resolve this so that it's kind of like a nice pausing point while we go back to Discovery and then I think to Picard and then who knows when episode 11 is coming out. Um, I, I don't know if we know that yet. I, I didn't actually look any of those things. Uh, I don't think uh, we know yet. I think we just know that the second part of this episode will come out next week and then it's yeah i i i think for my prediction i i think uh we we've got to change the dynamic with the the diviner and i i think that i i could see us getting to a place where uh tars lamora and the rev 12 are no longer in the picture and maybe 
we have to combine these crews together. Like maybe, uh, like I, I, maybe Dreadnought and the Diviner are somehow imprisoned in the brig, but then have to end up being useful later on. I, I, I don't know if we're going to stay in this like a hundred percent villain territory the whole time. I think we have to learn what he's been trying to do and also be tempted to be like, wait, maybe we should take that on as our mission too. But mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm expecting some complications while we resolve a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I think I, I have a feeling that this is going to be the cliffhanger is going to be the revelation of whatever the diviner is like mm. implying. And so that's how we go into the winter break is finding out something like, <gasps> oh no. And, and, and it obviously, yeah, it obviously has to throw Starfleet in bad light, right? Like it has to be that like um, something nasty that the Federation did. Because eventually. that's the way it goes with all new Star Trek. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for indulging me, all of you. I appreciate yeah. it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, with that, I think we're ready to go into our rating. So who has got a strange rating for me today? Uh, mine's pretty strange. I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, I Still, good show. I'll watch it again. Um, but, you know, I had some issues along the way. Maybe I'll rewatch it and be like 11 out of 10. But right now I'm at a seven. I'll give it a uh, four out of five. I thought it was a good episode. It wasn't like, oh, this was my favorite episode of Prodigy. So, but you know, I think it was a good solid episode. It kind of lays a foundation for what's going to happen. I thought we got to see continued growth in the characters, mm -hmm. um, especially in Dow, actually in this episode. So I appreciated that. He wasn't such a whiny baby. Mm. I'll go ahead and give it... Well, I kind of see what Notch is talking about in terms of writing because they kind of leaped ahead, what, 4,000 light years, and then they came all the way back. Um, so it almost felt like that was, you know, for naught. Um, so a little bit wanting there. But I guess they had to reconcile the whole what happens to that 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 animosity, right? The whole, the whole diviner, daughter, protostar thing. So... How about um, seven and a half uh, jetpacks out of ten? Nice. I I I think uh, so. I I'm trying to adhere to a a rule of like no half measures. I I can only give whole whole points. Uh, but I I I think really, I I am also going to put this one as a, as a seven. Um, I I think how i view this episode is going to be really based on how the next episode goes um so i it i i could definitely start uh but it, it, i think the reality is i have to consider this episode as its own sort of entity with mm -hmm. what we've seen so far and it it just it's it wasn't it hasn't been as special as all of the other episodes even though i do think that it had some very well earned moments uh within it is that what happened with um, Equinox, where we felt that the first one was really, really good, and the second one was like a nosedive, or the other way around. Yeah, I, I, at least that—that yeah. that is my feeling for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is that this... That's usually how it goes. Usually, the first part is like, oh my gosh, and then the second part is like, wow, they really didn't know how to get themselves out of the bind they put themselves yeah. into in the first part. Yeah, so. they fell off the cliff. They didn't hang on to it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
uh, with that, I think it's time for us to do the end credits here. So I want to thank each of you, Notch, Rudy, and Emily. This time I wasn't reading uh, everyone's uh, titles just in case someone has uh, their church as their uh, label <laughs> in Zoom instead. Um, I want to uh, thank also uh, Max, Bill, and Dinah, wherever you all are, whatever you all are doing, I hope you're having a great time, even in the middle of... Uh, just not a great time at the moment. So uh, <laughs> I want to thank you listeners for uh, putting us in your ears every single week or whenever it is that you do. Uh, I don't I don't particularly care. It's it's great if you uh, just want to binge us all on a Saturday or whatever. Um, we didn't get do, to thank you, you, you for you. being a host. Thank you for yeah, listening. Yeah, thanks, thanks Adam. Adam. No, no problem. Uh, you just blew right over it. You didn't let us go. Well, yeah, I just I, I put on my podcasting face uh, and I'm just in, incapable of being interrupted. Uh, I want to thank uh, Jishnu Guha for our theme music. It's just perfect getting to uh, hear that Klingon music. And maybe we need to start commissioning uh, uh, some proto protostar type music going on uh, in the future. But uh, yeah, and I want to also give a thanks to Murph for eating a whole dang protostar. I'm glad you're invincible, buddy. There we go. Bye. Good times. Bye. 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 Bye.